welcome to Compelling Communicators, a podcast where we learn some golden communication truths from compelling communicators from wide-ranging fields, including teaching, mediation, youth work, mental health nursing, counseling, expressive arts modalities, and community development. In this episode, we meet Leo Zielig, a writer, activist, and researcher who uses both spoken and written forms of communication, all in the pursuit of political change. For Leo, communication is both about clarity of thought and argument when in speech and written text, and also about communing with the world without using words. It is also the primary tool in his work as an editor, a commissioner of writing, and a writer of fiction and non-fiction himself. His core value of integrity supports his aims for communication as he seeks to work alongside people who have openness and honesty in their approaches to collaborating on work goals, all for broad political change. Listen out for why clearing through the clutter is essential to communication, how organisation and clarity go together as communication tools, what effective political communication entails, why writing is the failure of communication, and how starting from zero and learning from mistakes is key to Leo's approach to communication. Over to Leo to introduce himself. I'm uh, Leo Zielig. I'm an editor of the Review of African Political Economy, and I'm a writer and editor. Can you share a value that's important to you? I would say integrity. And this is particularly important, I think, for my um, my writing and my editing work. So with colleagues who have a openness and honesty to their work, and it almost radiates from them, um, it's easy to collaborate with them. I know exactly where they're coming from. I know how they're going to respond. And I know that will be with an openness which is broad and generous and clear. Mm. And it sounds like communication as a... Uh, you've talked about communication in that um, open, honest, and that what you when you were speaking, I was hearing open-hearted communication. Does that resonate? Yes, definitely. Why? I, mean, that, I think that's that's so important because you have to get you have to clear through the clutter in order to really be able to see and and hear um, and communicate. So I think that's an an essential um, characteristic. What's the clutter that you talk about? The clutter is the, you know, all the surface appearances. So all of the things that we layer on to our our daily speech, um, which which we feel as though we should say. You know, and that's probably a good ninety percent of our communication. Mm. You know how we how we need to. How, um, or how we think we need to respond. So to have that, um, you know, certain 
very able communicators drop away. Not so you're just left with the raw and unadulterated. So an able communicator is somebody who cuts through that clutter and demonstrates their integrity and the clarity of their ideas without the surface fluff. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it depends on, it depends. I mean, sometimes the clutter is important, so it depends on your circumstances. Um, so there needs to be, you know, in the start, I'm in endless meetings. So the start of meetings, of course, there has to be clutter. Mm. Maybe it's not even clutter is a good word. Yes, and also the 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 the, the chatter, mm. the sort um, of pre speak of the, the... pre speak of mm. people com- um, meeting and communicating, mm. and you know there will be a lot of noise and very little um, said. said. <laughs> but that that is also uh, important. Indeed because it's setting the scene and it's building trust. Exactly. And the tone. Yeah. Yes, the tone is essential. So we've, we're, we're diving into what communication as a concept means to you, but I'd love you to build on that. Um, well, I can identify it, even if I'm not always able to um, put it into practice. I mean, certainly, you know, in different scenarios. So I'm, I'm perhaps not always the clearest um, communicator when it comes to my own private relationships but I am in you know in a professional setting and I can see I can see that so it's the ability to summarize to condense to to know and this of course is what I um, used to teach you know knowing your argument um, and then communicating that quite quickly even if you move away from it you'll clear always what it is that you want to say you've talked about clarity a number of times so you um you're an academic you you have taught students to think critically is that right yes and i you you know more of my work at the moment is um supervising so i supervise um students Mm. research students phd students and communication is essential for a phd Mm. both of course for the oral presentation so for the viva but also for what they're um being concise about what it is that they're saying and arguing and that's a particular discipline within the communication canon isn't it the intellectual um summing up of an argument with clarity and poise (laughs) yes it is and it's quite distinct from other forms i suppose but having that um single-mindedness of purpose Mm. is a very important element in successfully um defending a argument defending a thesis and also in um probably most professional communication I would think certainly in my certainly in my experience yeah and there are things that I I know about your um professional background because we've known each other for a very long time that I'm I'm thinking questions I could ask you but I'd love you to share what you think is important mm. um so the next question really does get to that how you use communication in your work because you have many strings to your bow and you've used talking about com- knowing the communication purpose you've used communication for lots of different purposes including teaching um, students English uh, 
of which we share a dis- that discipline. Do you want to elaborate on how, in addition to the things you've already said, how you feel you use communication or have used communication in your work practices? Um, well, I would just say on the on the point um, that you've you just referred to, you know, how both of our you know a part of our professional backgrounds was through language teaching this taught me you know things um which i've never been able to perfect actually i don't think it's my strength but the importance of clarity cutting away surplus language because of course if you're teaching then you have to be very clear about what it is you're teaching you don't want to confuse them with a lot of chatter so it it at least demonstrated to me the importance of clear communication um, and communicating to people at uh, to a range of different people in the same audience, mm. you know, because those will be your levels, you know. Mm. And of course, the, the the levels, the communication levels will vary within mm. a single audience. And so that um, that's um, that's quite important. That's quite important. But your question in particular was about how I use. Um, communication, in communication, work. my work. Well, it's everything, really. I mean, and I, I, I can get quite depressed by, by that. In that, so much rests on, on making yourself clear, both in the editing work I do, so in the submissions I receive and edit, um, and commission, but also in our, our endless meetings. So. We we have to be at all times organized and clear. And perhaps actually communication and organization, literally not necessarily political or um, voluntary organization, but the organization of your communication is mm-hmm. so important. And that is what you learn. So there's a real discipline um, and organization to... Um, the expression of i the useful and effective expression mm. of ideas I'm thinking about why you're articulation of ideas to what you what the message is and yeah. you know as language teachers language encodes meaning mm-hmm. of i mean much more than words it's yeah. about culture it's about emotion it's about lived experience and um it's a very um extremely challenging and, and and complete process so you're talking about the classroom which we could talk about for hours we won't now but um how do we encode our understandings of the world in a couple of words so true that's very deep isn't it yes yes um i'm aware that you have a deeply uh, a deep a vein of political uh, communication um in your experience as well mm. perhaps um adding to in telling us more about that in this question about how you describe the type of communication you've used. So you have talked about the clarity and the precision that's required. Does that differ in political when you're communicating for a political yeah, purpose? Yeah, I think it does. And I think you're, you're frequently in political meetings. I'm a um, socialist and a revolutionary. And so what... Um, I had to learn, and you learn partly from experience, so from other speakers and communicators, mm. that it's very important not simply to make an argument, but to make it polemically. 
you know, so the way that you deliver, you know, what you might deliver in a lecture in front of your students, which no doubt would be um, perhaps more nuanced. And, and maybe you need to look to be an effective political communicator, you do need to lose nuance to some extent. Mm. So that repetition of message. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And also that you're making an argument and using your voice. I mean, there's very, it's very performative. That's you know, right. So you use your, like, and I, I don't do this because I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not frequently called to make political speeches. Now. But the times, as now, um, but the times that I did, you would, or in political meetings, that you would be trying to persuade. And mm. you do that as much with argument, of course, essentially with argument, um, and a clarity of argument, but you also do it with intonation, you do it with feeling, um, you with do emotion. it with emotion, and you do it also with um, your, your, your body. Mm. So you communicate mm. um, entirely. Mm. Yes, in and your so, totality. In your totality, yes, yes. nicely put. So uh, how did you learn these skills that you have in their various forms? How did you learn to communicate in the ways that you've described? By failure. Like all learning is, and and, and it's you continually fail. And if you actually listen to reasonably effective communicators, political communicators, then and there's not a huge number of them, let's face it. Um, they're constantly making mistakes. So I suppose it's the acceptance that you will. You know, they, they, there might be a good interview or a good speech and then an absolutely terrible mm. one. But to have the capacity to mess up, you know, to mess up your communication, but to keep going back. Yes. So that requires all sorts of other skills, which are, you know, which I certainly don't have, and um, it's exhausting, which is the capacity to, obviously, to hone skills, and most of the time you're right, um, but then to keep coming back and keep honing when when it doesn't work. And have the courage to do that. And I have the courage to do it. Because and, those are, and those are issues of confidence, of course, which are connected to communication, right. which, as we've discussed over the years, are ones which are often controlled by certain groups of people Absolutely. in society and there's also a performative confidence that's taught around communicating to certain audiences yeah. which um is for me um very off-putting because it's not from the heart yeah um so you know if you do these three things in a meeting you'll be an effective communicator for example which um you know we ha i believe we have to find our authentic way yeah. of communicating that's to be very, effective very, but a, a follow-up question um which is ironic because I'm asking each of my interviewees here mm. for this podcast to distill their their kind of core ideas so people can take them on board. Mm. But there's so much nuance in it. So a follow up question is, do you think communication, as you've described it, and I've written down as an iterative process, it's something that you build and build and build and you expand and you morph and you change, yes, and you try something new and that. you get better and then it get, goes back and then you move forward. Yeah. Do you think that's like other skills that are mar that are crafts that are art forms? Like becoming an expert carpenter, like becoming an um uh that's a good that's a good example. It's an extraordinarily important um question. I think I remember being a 
16 or 17 year old and seeing these and already kind of learning about the world and seeing these posters in Lewisham in southeast London where I um near where I grew up and it was for a political meeting on um can there be a revolution in Britain and it had Tony Cliff and then next to it um local trade unionist and I turned up to the meeting and there was this small man probably in his mid 70s with his hair everywhere and he stood up and he spoke with such extraordinary power and passion which was both this synthesis of passion of clarity brilliant clarity of argument so the capacity to synthesize random events and mm. de developments in the news and in history yeah. and bring it together in a an, an argument um and speech of about 30 minutes which i think opened certainly opened my mind as a 17 year old and explained the clarity the, the brilliant at its absolute best the brilliant capacity of um clear and passionate communication in a political um environment I've got two questions <laughs> so it sounds like he was combining his intellect and his heart together and is that right and and humor i remember great yeah. i remember great humor in what he said humor is important isn't it so important but using it well and that's an art form in itself it is um and yet at times I wonder or certainly I've personally experienced when emotion has got heightened that can utterly um derail my capacity to communicate clearly and yet what I and yet I know that when it's harnessed well it superpowers that the marshalling of the argument because it that's almost where the integrity demonstrates itself yes and not just a head, I'm a heart, I believe this, and this is what I think, and this is how I'm going to explain yeah. it to you. And there's no amount of intonation and um, table thumping that can that can work itself up or right. substitute itself for it. for for that that combination. So you see, so the really great speakers and communicators are ones that you can whose integrity to get back to the first question yeah you see you see almost instantly you know because those are th hard things to um um fake right and normally not always in fact in many cases in history people have successfully faked it but um often um you the, you'll be identified as someone who's not can you um, give an example of somebody that you think's faked um, um and what are we asking about faking the power and the passion they convict the conviction of the message to somebody who you think has faked well <laughs> you know i know lots of living um orators or political communicators um who won't be known um right who won't widely. be more widely known who i think perhaps don't quite have that um synthesis that we're talking about that I think that um, you witnessed in, in Tony Cliff. Tony Cliff yeah. Um so he's somebody that 
to to move to one of the other questions he's somebody who um inspired you was a communicator that you were taken to another plane with an impactful communicator yeah and and it was of course most of all not just you know his performance but you know his ability to impart something of great significance which lifted which lifted the audience um raised i mean in you know in this in the language of the 1960s raised their consciousness right and that i think is exactly how he saw his responsibility you know that he wanted to equip us and forewarn us about dangers in political movements and prospects of um um political um change progressive political change mm-hmm. so so that was dramatic um and and fairly not unique but fairly unusual um for for that period and in the political circles that I moved in was he a storyteller and he told stories and he told stories about his own life so you were immediately and intimately brought into his own um sphere of confidences and the most fantastic jokes always so you would laugh and you would so he was very real he was very relatable it might be worth actually you know at some point if you wanted to share um some of his um absolutely because it's a lot of it's available on youtube so that would be fantastic stories. we'll put links to that because yeah. that's really useful for people to see mm. um when leo when you when you um evoke tony cliff um and i've i've been with you when when he visited our university um that's right of course yeah, indeed and, and i remember him and and i'm thinking also of other communicators who do what you say impactful communicators do which if i'm for me to try and paraphrase it's that the marshalling of the arguments it's the open heartedness it's the um humor and the, the the weaving of events into a narrative a story that is going to bring people into the realm of that vision that somebody has and they they're willing to go on the ride they right. they sort of submit to the ride mm. and that's exact that's that's exhilarating it's exhilarating and it's yes but it's also not um and i i've been in you know been in front of effective and powerful speakers and communicators so i think with tony cliff there was something very sincere so it wasn't a it wasn't a cheap fix you didn't feel you were being manipulated and yeah and you also didn't feel that you were witnessing the communication of a very developed um polished and polished ego so there was something else working he was a certainly he was a man obsessed with his ego but his ego was obsessed with revolution okay. so his so, ego his ego was was in service of a greater power <laughs> exactly um and it reminds me that sincerity and integrity i would say are are good friends yes yes absolutely would you agree i or yes i would like to think perhaps this is naive or me not even really understanding the words that the two would be inseparable you would hope they were absolutely i i mm. would agree um synonyms 
how did you learn to communicate in the ways that you explain you value in others but also practice in your own work? well I, I i think probably as i said you know if we distinguish between communicating i think in some ways i'm a very poor communicator which is related to all sorts of other issues in my life but i think that i am politically and as a teacher and activist i learned to communicate from the best examples around me and that was frequently almost invariably through um the political education that i received and actually in many cases that was through um both the socialist workers party and it was an educational forum essentially in lots of ways mm. thinking about it now so you were encouraged very interesting actually this, this is not irrelevant to the discussion we're having that very early on in joining this um, political group this educational group um, no matter where you were um, whether you were a new member or a more long-standing one you were encouraged to um, present um, meetings and these would be weekly meetings so maybe mm. you'd been in the organization for a month and there was going to be a meeting on the Sp Spanish Civil War of um, 1936 you would be encouraged to make the presentation and you'd be given you wouldn't be given you'd be um, suggested you know places to go to read quite broadly for it and then you'd have to present a 15 a, a 20 or 25 minute um, um, talk on that so the extraordinary almost emancipatory um, um, political education mm. that was so it was teaching you both how to synthesize material mm. and present it and communicate it in a way which was compelling yes. and clear yes back to clarity back to clarity um, so that's you know that was my education wow. even more probably even more than what we learned at university Although, of course, it was, you know, it was, you know, those were those were similar expectations in some ways, um, you know, when we were doing our degrees. Yes. So these are incredibly impactful moments of memory. More broadly, how would you um, describe or share with you how communication and the skills that you use impacts your life in general? Um, I find it, I mean, I find it sort of exhausting. There's such, there's such, I mean, to, I have, you know, in front of me now two days of meetings and a lot of that, you know, there'll be a lot of presentations, a lot of arguments that will need to be made. And it's the most exhausting thing, or at least I find it, you know, so, you know, a lot is resting on that one skill. You know, everything that, of course, is and all the preparation that's behind it. Um, and that can be quite exhausting. And given, of course, that human experience, and this is kind of a more philosophical point, perhaps, or human point, is so much more than the way that we communicate with words, that I think that what I've, what I've done in my life, you know, has limited how I understand communication. So in, in, in some ways that 
you know, communication is, you know, what people do with music. It's our communing with the world without using our words, you know. Um, so communication, you know, is a complex thing. But, um, you know, in the way that we're talking about it today, I think that um, marshalling it in a in the ways that I've described as clearly and as concisely as possible, um, and focusing also, you know, in certain circumstances on um, the argument, the agenda, the issue, and being clear about that is what um, is absolutely essential for. Um, um, for my work. And Preparation, of course, is essential. Indeed, indeed. Prepare, 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 and then let go is a sort of good maxim, I think, um, yeah. for some situations. And also you can over-prepare. For sure. I mean, I find that, you know, if I've prepared to talk and then have the notes in front of me, I can mess it up terribly. Right. But sometimes if I have if I've have the confidence and have spent five minutes before I'm due to speak and written down a couple of Sketching notes. Sketching out some ideas, some core ideas. It might, it might work much more. Right, better. absolutely. So it's very hard to have, the, I, I certainly don't have to, I'm not absolutely clear of the formula always. Right, <laughs> and it's go, because you can't be, right? It's it, yeah. it's going to shift and change. It's and emotional, it's how you're feeling, it's what your interactions like with the audience. It's what's happening around you in the world. It's what's happening in the world. So building on the 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 impact of communication on your life I it sounds to me that the enormous intent that you bring to your communication in your professional spheres um has is exhausting it's exhausting it's like training to be it's like an athlete training to training to run a marathon you know it's it's physically exhausting it's emotionally exhausting and um Am I right? Or tell me more Exhausting. about um, whether that has limited how you what you have felt you've had left to offer beyond your work. Oh, I think that's a profound question. I think it is just to re- reiterate. I think it is exhausting. I think it's crippling, um, and it exhausts you like no other thing. Or at least I find it. You know, there are certainly people who communicators, and we know them, even people that we can't stand, you know, who thrive off public communication. That's right. It feeds the it feeds, feeds the ego. Feeds the ego. And you see it in, you know, the worst sort of men, principally. And they um thrive, almost can only live um in front of an audience and, and derive extraordinary energy from it from that audience. And, and and but I think probably for the large for the, the the large number of us who do have to communicate for our work, it isn't that. It's it's grueling. And yeah. Certainly for me, it is. Yeah. So I am often left um, sort of gaunt and hungry at the end, just drained and, and terribly terribly yes. drained. Yes. So, so it doesn't give me energy. So it's it. Yes, whilst the presence of others and the engagement of ideas and the, the 
the, under, the understanding, the meaning, landing and the building of something. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience, but I know that you would share this because our disciplines do overlap. They do. Um, is enlivening and um, spirit lifting. It is ultimately a, a, an incredibly grueling process yeah. which drains us and the need to, for those people who are seeking to do work that is as we do it with integrity, with utter dedication, preparation, um, mm. attention to all of the people that we can connect to in their differing ways um, for a purpose, for a bigger purpose than us, not the not the uh, perpetuation of our own power, mm. which is the people that you were mm. alluding to. Mm. There is a need for absolute self-care and downtime to refill the bucket um so yeah. true and i to think be able to continue doing what we value so highly yeah yeah and i i think to some extent you know that we you know there's a lot of huge numbers of ways that we communicate and certainly kind of for my writing i mean all of us have this sort of mass of dormant sense of this not even dormant of um knowledge and feeling about the world and our experience in it and that we desperately want to communicate and express that but but struggle to do it so there's a lot of frustrated communicators among us in fact maybe most of us are that and that we do and that we communicate our real sort of essence um in other ways you know in the hospitality that we give to our friends, in the love that we show to people around us. Um, but to some extent, failure to communicate. And I think to some extent that is expressed in the work that I do. Um, I try and make good on with my writing. <laughs> so yes. so, so it, the writing is communication, really, of a different sort, really. But it's you know one where I can choreograph. Absolutely, it's a solitary. There's the pursuit, and it's solitary. The audience happens asynchronously. They read it whenever that, wherever, and whenever they read it, and you are controlling the message. And that's really interesting, Leo. Yeah. Mm. So we're talking about the essence of that in-person synchronous communication, which is yes. draining, exhausting, uh, elevating. For some of us, yeah. Um, and indeed, in the way that we've discussed it, and then there's the asynchronous mm. where it's you in your room writing, and then it's published, and whoever reads it reads it. Because that's... you, because you're partly, you know, writing. I've never even thought of it like this, but writing is failure. So that writing is the failure of communication in a way. But it's not. A, it doesn't failure doesn't have to be a disaster, but almost like a. It's the things that have to be said. Yeah, that have to be said. said, but haven't you haven't quite been able to express or say in the normal action of life you know so you've somehow had to get them out but you couldn't so here they are and you have to go away to your to your cave and sit for months and do that Ten or, years. Yeah. or how, whatever however long the text is um mm. in that in that vein is there a memory for you where you had a breakthrough in your skills and you've talked about failure being the biggest form of learning so it may well be a failure or it may be a, a, a moment where you succeeded beyond your expectations to communicate what you were wanting to communicate uh, where you thought yeah okay I'm at the next stage I've I've advanced in this craft I I 
I think there might be some people who look at life like that. In fact, I almost certain there are, but it's definitely not me. So I, I think every time I start from zero and I'm back, you know, which is maybe the reason I find it so grueling. So I'm back to the start. Um, I might have a few ideas and techniques which I use. Sometimes I'm not even fully aware that I'm doing that. Um, but I don't feel as though there's been any mastery, I have to say. Um, I'm sometimes aware of experience. Um, that you've been here before and done this yes, before. Yes, but you might only realise that when you communicate with younger colleagues or people who haven't had that, you know, that long, hard experience. But it does feel like writing when you haven't been doing it and haven't done any serious writing for some time, like you're starting over. And certainly public speaking or even speaking in front of a group of colleagues, which I always find in the in inducing of terrible panic um, um, and worry, that starts from zero. Starts from zero, literally, from the moment you open your mouth, you're not sure how it's going to turn out. So I feel that when I'm in meetings. I actually also feel it socially, if I'm honest with you. There's this great, um, not unrelated to your podcast series, but I there's this great play by Stephen Burkhoff called Kvetch, and it's about communication, and it's a dinner table all set around a dinner table and it's people having a conversation externally. So what we hear and then the one that goes on internally and that he blends, it's completely brilliant actually, great mm. teaching tool. And then the one that goes on before a person says something, you know, that we all have. And I know you'll relate to this. So before the anecdote, before you risk telling the anecdote, <laughs> you say to yourself, can I, can I tell this story? Can I, Can I get off? it out? Can I pull it off? And as you're telling it, you're also um, um, questioning yourself. Absolutely. That sounds amazing and one to follow up. Yeah, really. Um, so that goes on all the time for us. So I hear humility in that, the humility of the, of the, the reality for yourself, that communication is um, a risk. It's a... Um, it could go any way. You don't know the outcome, but you have a go anyway because it's important. Yeah, and there are certain environments in which it's easier to have a go, you know, with friends and family. That's right. Um, less so with a crowd of people that you don't know. That's right, whether um, stakes are higher. It is humility, you're right, but it's also chronic lack of confidence, which is unevenly distributed in the world. Yes. Of confidence, as we know, and we went through this experience together at university, confidence, as you know, is is allocated to certain people, as we've spoken about, in very uneven measures. Absolutely. And that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but something for the listeners to consider around their own confidence and how that uh, can support or derail certain communication. Yeah, and to understand how perhaps they're um, communicating in the world and that they, you know, understand those, those, those set of social and personal experiences which is impacting on their communication. There's a way of taking 
the guilt that we feel, you know, not doing something better, you know, mm. that crippling guilt all the time. Mm. Our penultimate question is um, really speaks to a, a couple of points that you made earlier around um, you feel like you're starting from zero, but you have you have some skills that you you feel that you do or some tools, te- techniques that you that you fall back on. Um, and I was going to ask you what they were, but I saved it for this question, which is um, if you were telling an interested person, somebody mm-hmm. was asking you, like indeed I mm-hmm. am, you know, what have you learned about communication, Leo, over your um, 50 years on this planet? Um, is there one golden truth or truths that you would share with people? Well, for, for revealing my age, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my strike. Um, I suppose to go back to that very first question: sincerity and integrity. So you must speak honestly and openly, but um, and also that you've got to be depending on the environment in which you're communicating let's say it's a professional one, that be clear about what it is that you want to say. So don't go in there um, on chance. So preparation, you mentioned that. Um, Preparation is absolutely um, essential. But enough, leave yourself enough space. And this is, of course, the paradox for spontaneity, a bit of spontaneity, or rather, I don't want to overdo that because that's the easiest, you know, that's a bit of big glib. But... um, you know, too much preparation could cripple your own ability to communicate. So, um, perhaps it's working out what your own. But you talked about formulas. Perhaps it's a, a sense of working out the formula for yourself around how much you need to prepare and how much space you need to provide for spontaneity. Because naturally, your 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 humour and your personality is then given space to shine and demonstrate itself through the areas that you've decided you want to share through preparation that's right um and and also you know the most important thing is that you have to um be loving and generous towards yourself Mm. and i'm assuming that the people speak um, listening to these podcasts are are not all private educated um, debaters and of course you know we grew up in a society in which um, speaking and communicating was taught almost as a discipline, but in um, private schools and only certain pri- probably male-dominated yes. private schools. So the the the, the skill of orat- the sc- oration, oration. Mm. You know where where some of these issues that we've talked about will have come up. That's right. You know, argument. That's right. Body language, confidence, uh, um, demonstration of power and authority. Yeah, exactly. So mm. these things are, of, of course, class-based um, to, to to some degree. So um, we have to, you know, and the the wonderful aspect of this series that you're doing is that you're sort of democratizing yes. um, communication skills, you know, so taking it, wrestling in it, it yeah. from those who control our lives, you know, because of their um, study of the discipline of communication. Mm. you know so we have we we do unfortunately have to learn we do how to do it the study and practice and the, pra- the practice the people of course that are practicing is key. it on the daily basis and from and from the age of you know from the age of 10 mm. Mm. and i always understood that politically you know that in even quite young i realized that we 
we had to hone our skills to to compete um or challenge rather yeah those who were in charge mm. those political forces that were in charge and those people that represented those forces yeah there are so many other places we could go but as we draw this conversation to a close my final question is how do you say goodbye to people huh. um I suppose, you know, in, in the forums that we, um, have discussed in this, in this, in this conversation, um, I, I would do it suddenly after I'd been speaking, um, quite, um, reasonably formally and with as much warmth as I can muster, you know, so actually closure, it's interesting now. Closure is perhaps a, you know, an important, way to um wrap up effective communication you know that you're sealing what you've um, managed to what you've managed to convey to to some extent so um kind of with much as much generosity as possible invariably you know when i was teaching it would always be please come and see me afterwards, <laughs> you know, if there's any if you issue any that you, and actually that's maybe no bad thing to do because it's a sort of humble, and I've, you know, I've raised a number of issues. Some of you might have an issue. Some of you might have um, arguments with them. Um, you understand they come from certain perspective, a certain perspective, mm. and those perspectives are fallible. So by all means, let's continue this conversation. Yeah, so it's an invitation to continue, but a rather than to shut down a demonstration that for for this moment in time we're drawing this container to a close and letting everybody know that. Yeah, but the door is always open. Yes, mm. yes, I think so. That's that's right. But also, if it was a political speech or the end of a meet, uh, end of a political meeting, and you're you're discussing some historical lesson, then you would draw out those points. Yes. Um, in that lesson. Yes. Um, once more yes and you would highlight them and invariably when I was a I was more active politically it would be um always a a rallying cry to call to action to to action and also invariably to joining political organization mm. what which you I, do still, next I still if you want to yes so a guide to further action in a way that's in, right in what you'd say so and you do that you do that in your you know my non fiction writing I, I do that as well the conclusion yeah the conclusion what are the lessons this the conclusion in the recent biography of walter rodney was you know what are the lessons that we can draw from his life for today that's right it always struck me that when i was teaching how to write essays uh, that a good conclusion summarizes what's happened and includes an additional question that leaves people with the next that's, where do they go that's next brilliant. that's that's brilliant yeah that's absolutely brilliant yeah and also doesn't entire doesn't wrap up everything entirely it says you know um, room for further questioning and research you know invariably you'd say that you know these questions remain unanswered keep the door open keep thinking thank you leo pleasure always in this episode, Leo has shared his golden truths of communication. Prepare to communicate, but leave enough space for spontaneity. 
speak honestly and openly and be clear about what it is you want to say and be loving and generous to yourself in the process. My gratitude goes to Leo Zelig for his time, wisdom and work, all shared with us with insight, candor and compassion. Find more about his work by going to his website, leozelig.com. That's L-E-O-Z-E-I-L-I-G. And see links to others' mentions in the discussion, including Tony Cliff in the show notes. Go well, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compelling Communicators. Thanks to Nina Humphreys for composing the music you're listening to now. See you next time.